out to Curveball Ricky. Give him a heater. We have our first $40 million pitcher. Uh, we have uh, uh, a slew of uh, things that have broken down in the last couple of weeks for signings and, and trades. Uh, minor leagues have been revamped. Uh, there is still some scandal and uh, uh, should have had a V8 slap head moments uh, in Major League Baseball. We're going to discuss all of that. Uh, in a New York state of mind, we'll uh, we'll talk about those things. This is the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, we are not that far away from ratcheting back up, though the weather says otherwise right now. Oh. Uh, happy uh, pitcher and catcher reporting day to you, Corey. It is that is a true holiday there. Forget Valentine's Day. It is <laughs> baseball season is here, man. I am I'm stoked. I am ready to hopefully I checked out. There's some games supposed to be on TV, so I'm hoping to watch a couple this week. I was just trying to pull up the schedule. I believe for some teams, I thought today was the earliest day. Well, no, it's uh Wednesday. But since that'll go. be uh By coming time, up this that's week. That's right. By the time you hear this, most people are probably bored. It'll it'll be down there. And I think there's a week from today no maybe it's the next week that there's actually a game on tv so get watching man baseball's here that's always just keep it going i each there's a few different events that uh, i look at that leads me to uh uh, leads me to uh uh, thinking spring or that spring is here and the first one that that starts it off is pitchers and catchers that's right uh, and uh, even though it's still uh, all the temperatures in Wisconsin have a negative sign oh attached gosh. to them, and we're under another it's wind been chill so advisory, cold here lately. I don't. It seems like we have been in two this weeks now for of two this. weeks. Yeah. After we said, you know, well, where you can't go outside, it's been a manageable much. winter, right? Like it had been manageable. Like it always is cold here, but not unbelievable where it's so unbearable that you can't do anything. But now we are in this for the long haul. It seems like. The, the 10-day forecast at the end of it uh, keeps uh, saying that there's going to be temperatures without the negative sign attached the, to I it. I blame the groundhog. I, uh, someone go shoot him. Uh, yeah. I don't care. That guy's uh, the worst. <laughs> he needs to go under witness protection program yes, at this he does. point. Uh, but, uh, so, again, the first sign, at least in some places, uh, that's always what gets me started in the spring frame of mind, is you have pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, and then once you have spring training games, uh, after everyone else uh, reports, uh, it means spring is on the way one way or another. Wisconsin usually drags its feet behind, uh, but we uh, we eventually get there too. And by the time the season starts, uh, we're closer to having that uh, that, that spring. So mm-hmm. uh, we're, we are on the way. And speaking of on the way, uh, we have the revamping of the minor league system. We'll kick off with that. Uh, we have, uh, I actually, I know that they caught a lot of flack for this, and there's some teams that, that close. There's 40 teams that, uh, uh, were, that dropped. Sh- were dropped as part of this, as part of the mm-hmm. consolidation process. But when you actually look at the plan, and you and I were talking about this before we uh, came on air here, uh, this is a rarity where it seems like Major League Baseball was competent, organized, the plan makes sense. Uh, and overall, I, I think it, it defines the minor league system well, and I think it also adds new opportunities for advertising and, and media of uh, the next generation of stars. Anytime that you can 
get pay raises to some of these guys. That's that's a good start, yes. right? Some of these guys we've we've heard like they are paid way below minimum salaries based off of you know fifteen dollars an hour or whatever it's going to be in the United States here as we go forward. But they were not paid like that, so this is going to get them a raise. And yeah, it it cuts out teams, but the way that they've realigned it like regionally makes a lot of sense to me. It should save some of these teams a lot of money and that's how you get it. And when you give it back to the players, that's great. So yeah, the, the biggest changes that have happened, we're at 120 teams, 40 mm-hmm. teams were dropped as part of the consolidation uh, pay increase, uh, especially at the lowest level of over 50% to that's get great. that uh, more, uh, more in line with that. You have uh Triple A has two divisions. Again, the East and the West. So they've, they've regionally aligned, aligned them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. To cut out travel, which we've seen, like you also see, shares expense or takes down expenses exactly. too. That's what you want to do, right? You see, and then you give it back to the players. I'm all for that. Here's one thing I like about it too. That's gonna that's gonna matter from a scouting standpoint. They're now looking at potentially six game uh, to help with the, the travel expenses. Six games against an opponent versus three or four. Really, I didn't uh, see that part of it. And that six means for some of one. For some of them, you're going to see the same guy twice. Twice, mm-hmm. and how do you adjust when players have just seen you? That's when hitters usually get a better advantage. I think that's actually going to help pitchers in the long run. Uh, same thing with batters. What can you do with the adjustments? I think that's going to be easier to be seen when uh, if a scout stays for a six-game homestand or a six-game uh, series. I what did you see for adjustments? How did they learn? How did they grow? Did you hear if they're doing the alternate site again this year, for a while at least? To begin with, right, uh, like alternate site is going to be happening because uh, this will be pushed back a start date to like May 1st. What is what they're so talking. April, they're talking like doing the alternate site thing again, right? Correct. And that makes, that makes sense as we at least site. get started. Like, let's see, you know, we saw last year they started and it was right away the Marlins had problems and the Cardinals had problems and it didn't really work and football's had some issues and basketball had a few teams that had to cancel. So as we get started here, have your top minor league players stay at the alternate site and see if we can at least get off to a good start in the major leagues before we try and start the minor leagues. I think where this helps too is I think everyone's so excited to get started. This will help keep uh, from getting too amped up right mm-hmm. away, uh, which is where you're going to get your oblique strains, you're gonna, your hamstring issues, you're going to get the uh, arm uh, tenderness at the beginning from maybe getting too ratcheted up too fast, especially coming off no minor league season. I think this is a, a good thing long-term uh, to get these guys back, back rolling because uh, – health issues are going to be the biggest thing, to, the biggest theme for this upcoming year, monitoring workload, monitoring, especially for pitchers with getting things back up there and the innings back up there. Uh, that's going to be a, a big storyline to follow. So to recap, minor leagues, we're looking at 120 teams. Uh, things have been uh, divisions realigned for uh, geographically based uh, from two div- uh, two divisions in AAA, three divisions in AA, and both uh, high A and low A. Uh, and then finally, uh the rookie league is what is gone. So the very mm-hmm. lowest level is gone, except it's been revamped, like the Cape Cod League. It's all turned into the uh, the uh, summer market, uh, yeah, summer development for for potentially for draftees. So a you, chance to market yourself. Sorry. So the Cape Cod League was kind of like, it wasn't affiliated with Major League Baseball. It was, it was where the top college players went yep. where they used a wooden bat for the first time. Because in college, you can use an aluminum bat. And so now it's all, I think it's like the... Appalachian League or something. They they realigned yeah. some of that, and it, like you said, it, it all seems to make sense when you read it about it. So, any way to get more exposure to your young players? This is going to be a good way, and this will segue into our next thing here, where baseball has done a good job, and, and minor league baseball does it the best within baseball of marketing uh, future players mm-hmm. or, or looking at uh, the, the farm system, and and so what this uh, 
when people wouldn't pay that much attention to the rookie league, I think this is going to be marketed much more and highlight the MLB draft more by having this league that is dedicated to that. I think that's going to be an easy easy way to market the, the new generation and to make people interested in the MLB draft, which of all the drafts, that's the one that people don't pay the least attention to. Uh, this is a way to get more exposure to it, uh, and I think that's going to be a positive. Flipping the, the script to uh, not so positive from a uh, media standpoint, uh, MLB uh, laid off a lot of their social media staff uh, this past week. And again, trim, finding ways of trimming costs, but this seems to be a nearsighted move. Uh, this, of all your uh, people that work within the MLB organization, within the journalism side, within the media side, this is the group that interacts and engages with your fan base the most. So a lot of people have been scratching their heads on this one of how this actually helps, but other other than showing that MLB has no clue how to market its sport. That, that, that last statement is super accurate. They are well behind the NBA and the M- NFL kind of rules everything, right? They don't really need a whole lot of help in marketing. But if you watch, if you look on Twitter at any time, you'll usually see 5, 10 NBA highlights at all times because they're, they want you to share that, right? They've wanted to go out and try to get that extra advertising for free on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And Major League Baseball's tried to shut it down at times. They've had, you know, Pitching Ninja or whatever, where you could watch the cool gifts. And they've tried to shut some of that stuff down because they didn't want to have people sharing their unlicensed you know, videos. But that's how you get more exposure to young crowds. And especially when baseball is struggling with a younger fan base, social media is where is the where you're engaging the most with that young fan base. And you go and lay off your staff where you're not going to be able to do as much uh, as, as you have with this. Uh, it, and it's just a short-sighted move that doesn't make a lot of sense. And when you talk about the the annual budget of Major League Baseball and what goes into their uh, uh, the full numbers there, this is the drop in the bucket. Yep. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, but again, uh, we've said how behind the times they are. This just proves it that much more. Uh, the other head-scratcher, or uh, uh, when we go to a New York state of mm. mind, uh, the Mickey Calloway news in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know. Bats, man, do, what are you doing? How do you not vet your I people don't. at this point? These, All of these teams, it doesn't matter the sport, they have their own private investigators. They have their own research teams. How do you not find this stuff uh, beforehand, especially when your GM and your manager, these are the two biggest PR people you have as face of your organizations? Uh how do you not vet that extensively and make sure, especially uh, in today's uh, uh, culture and all the stuff that is available to you? And if other people are able to find it, why couldn't you? I, like, okay, as I said Mets, and he's on the Angels now, right? Correct. Uh, actually, I think he got did he get fired yet? If he hasn't been fired, he will be soon. So it, he was on the Mets when he sent all these lewd texts to women. It's just like, man, I don't know how these te- guys get away with this. I don't know how this has been. I don't know how you get other jobs. I, it's just so dumb to me and I'm sick and tired of talking, not, not that I'm sick and tired of talking about this. I'm sick and tired of this happening. Yes. Uh, and, uh, baseball already, uh, struggles a little bit with the, uh, the good old boy network. Yep. Uh, and this does not help any of that. Uh, and again, this wasn't a recent thing that happened It's old stuff that has resurfaced. The point remains again, how did you not find this? How was it should this have not been caught? It, sh- it should have happened. You should like, if this is, it's not one woman saying this, like not Correct. that it would matter. If it was one woman, it needs to be investigated. But when it's five women, like someone had to know. I, I just find it unbelievably hard to believe that the entire Mets front office didn't know this. And now the angels, when they hired him, didn't know something was wrong. 
And we go back to, again, and it's bad enough that you already have one case, but then when you put Jed yep. Hoyer with this. Uh, Jared Porter. Excuse me. Thank you. Yep. So, sorry for the, the sorry, wrong Jed. name there. That's okay. Uh, but when you put that together, again, there's a problem with whoever is running. The, again, there's also uh, big companies that you can run that do all the vetting process with this. Hiring firms, right? Correct. Hire, you so, are worth billions of dollars. Hire a hiring firm. They will do all of the vetting for you. And uh, right now they need it because whoever is doing it now is not cutting it. So uh, another one of those just random things that happened that didn't have to be, uh, but that is what it is at this point. Uh, we have a uh, injury and retirement to uh, to look at here. Seth Lugo. So this is like the quote good Mets news, and it's somebody getting hurt. But uh, Seth Lugo is undergoing some. Sur- Actually, he did it a couple of days ago. Undergoed some or underwent some surgery to remove a bone spur from his elbow. He'll be out six weeks. So uh, he got up and he started doing some starting last year. We. You know, the Mets have put a lot of money into that starting rotation, so he'd been pegged for the bullpen. At this point, it's he'll probably start the year on the injured list and eventually slide back into that bullpen, but he's going to be out for a while. And then we have a, a retirement. Uh, a uh, Former MVP. As a, an elite second baseman for a number of years before the knee uh, problems uh, surfaced, uh, and that uh, unfortunately led to a uh, final limp at the end of a career of what was uh, in his prime, uh, very good uh, second baseman. Dustin Pedroia officially retires from Major League Baseball. This is probably the most impressive retirement we've had this year. Not that we've hadn't had good ones, but 14 years, all of them with the Red Sox. Three times he won the World Series. Like I said, former MVP, former Rookie of the Year, four-time All-Star. You may have thought he already retired because we haven't seen him in a few years, as you mentioned, because of all the injuries, but it's a heck of a career. Just shy of a two ninety nine career batting average with 1,800 hits, so... Congratulations. Oh, actually, also he won four gloves, too. Congratulations, Dustin Pedroia, on a nice career. I would not be surprised if you go work for the Red Sox. Somewhere in there, he will re- uh, resurface uh, in that uh, in that organization. That would make a, a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess there's one last thing that we forgot to, to cover as far as impacting uh, news and notes that's going to impact the upcoming year. Uh, we heard for a couple of years that, uh, no, the ball isn't juiced. Okay. Uh, and uh, and yet we have a report from the athletics saying that they're going to unjuice the ball, uh, and uh, what that means is less home runs uh, from what should have been fly balls in the first place. Yeah, that, that's the deal. It's like the last couple of years they've said the ball's not juiced, but when I've seen batters catch it off the end of the bat, go the opposite way on what should be a lazy fly ball, and it crosses the park at or it crosses the wall at you know Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati or Yankee Field where there's those short right field fly balls and then you see the pitcher like what just happened like I made a perfect pitch it's a good pitch he barely caught it and it carries out that that's a problem the rabbit ball has been a problem I don't mind the home run but I'd prefer where it's you earn it right some of these are not earned home runs so if they're going to deaden it they said they're not going to deaden it a whole lot think back I think they said 2018 standards which was still a lot of home runs you're still going to see plenty of home runs but the last couple of years there's been some unbelievable number of home runs hit Two things where this impacts the the game, and then also for your fantasy players that I'm going to mention here. Number one, impacting the game is we've seen baseball evolve into a three outcome sport: uh, walk, walk, home run, run. strikeout, uh, and uh, eliminating the lure of the the home run as easy as it was is going to broaden that back out uh, because that only you'd only tolerate that three outcome if you actually get the home runs as one of the outcomes. Uh, if that starts to change, contact is going to be a more uh, necessity part of someone's uh, batting game. Uh, and that's going to be better for the sport overall from an entertainment value uh, and better uh, better watching perspective. The second one is uh, 
with that being said, in the last two years, go back and find the pitchers who've had the abnormal home run spike. How many home runs per nine innings? Look up that statistic uh, and see what are some of those players. When you look at that, look at the names on the list. Who didn't have that except in the last last two years? Who saw an abnormal spike in their home runs? Which fly ball pitchers have been hit the hardest by this? Because you will find some underrated players that is going to help your fantasy team this year by targeting that as a result of this news of the dead ball. Yeah, I remember last year when the preview was coming, I mentioned Corbin Burns had that outlandish home run record yeah. the year before, and I said, watch it. It's going to drop because that's impossible. And, you know, he was tracking towards at least getting some Cy Young votes before he got shut down early. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So there's your fantasy tip for the upcoming uh, season. And speaking of, we'll just highlight what's coming up here. Uh, next week, we're going to return to our uh, Greatest of All Time series. We're switching to pitching, and we will have uh, starting line or starting pitchers for the best right-handed starting pitchers of all time and another podcast that will go over the best left-handed starting pitchers I of all time. 24 pitchers currently listed for righties, just so you know. So I have to get that down to nine. This is uh, going to be harder to parse down than any of the others that yeah. we've done. Yeah, there's going to be some really good names missing this list, so tune in. So that'll be coming up uh, next week, and then the the following week, just highlighting, we'll uh, get to the the best closers of all time, best relief pitchers of all time, uh, and for those that are the NFL aficionados, uh, we will be looking at uh, increasing our NFL draft coverage uh, this year uh, with uh, Corey's big board. Right. We'll look at the top five uh uh, by position, top five players by position, uh, names to keep an eye on as we get closer to the, the NFL draft as you uh, look to see your uh, team make some improvements or players to eye uh, within that. Uh, we might even talk about a local boy uh, who, so. uh, who uh, uh, had a fantastic senior bowl, the person who raised his uh, draft stock the most. Yeah, And re- I can never say his name right. Quinn Miners. Quinn Miners. Uh, so he is a center for Whitewater. UW-Whitewater. Uh, and uh, is now up into the second and third round projections at this point. Yeah, I think I could pick day two. So he's a, he's a day two uh, selection. So we'll talk about all of that coming up in the next couple of weeks. But coming up next, we'll uh, talk uh, transactions. We're going to cover the we few trades, and we have a lot of free agent uh, acquisitions to uh, to talk about. Cut my egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk. I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile! Freeze it, then cut it. You! Bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, cowboy. Now, you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, Hula Hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see? People today have attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds. <laughs> be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Bolton fan. Yes! That's awesome! We're going to dive into trades. Uh, we'll start with uh, pitcher Alex Cobb makes his way from the Baltimore Orioles to the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah, so uh, this one was Cobb is owned fifteen million. That's the big part of this deal. So Baltimore is kind of sending a contract out to the Angels, and the second I texted you this about this, and you said, "Well, it kind of eliminates Trevor Bauer because, you know, we've, I've said all along I thought Trevor Bauer would go to the Angels, but when they took that type of a contract on, it was it was probably unlikely to happen." But Cobb is reunited with Joe Men. They were together down in Tampa Bay. So uh, here's the deal with Alex Cobb: when he's pitched, 
which has been, there's been a lot of times when he's been injured, but when he pitches, he gets a lot of ground balls and that's what he's always been a ground ball specialist. So he's split finger change. Yep. So he's usually able to limit it to like a mid four ZRA. And so that's what I would expect to happen again out there. Uh, Pitch towards the back end of their rotation and give his serviceable innings for the angels. Health has always been the question for him. That's what derailed the, uh, this, uh, since he signed the big contract with the Baltimore Orioles, uh, he made 152 innings on in 2018, and then he has done uh, 64 innings in the last two years. Uh, mm-hmm. But he looked nicer at 10 games started in, in the abbreviated season uh, last year, uh, and the numbers were solid. He had an XFIP of 4.21. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, if the health is returning, this is a great buy low for the the back end of the rotation for the Angels, who've quietly had. It was a solid offseason. Yeah, so they have they brought in a couple starters and him and Quintana, and then we said they needed bullpen help, and they made the big trade for Raziel Iglesias, an elite closer, I would say, and then Alex Claudio, Junior Guerra, some of those low-end signings. So they knew they had to upgrade their pitching, and they've done it. And now it's a question of will Shohei Otani be in the rotation? Because now you have Heaney, who I think is in, Bundy, who is in, Cobb and Quintana, and Griffin Canning. That's five. Now, there's plenty of teams talked about doing six six man rotations this year, limit the innings, but or is maybe this is the end of Shohei Otani starting for a while, and it's just let him play some DH and outfield. Yeah, they haven't come out with any confirmed reports on what the plan is for him yet. They might even just let spring training determine uh, it. Yeah, I, I I don't know if they're going to come out with too many expectations yet because I don't think they want to deal with last year mm-hmm. uh, happening again. Uh, so I think they're just going to let things play out and. Uh, respond accordingly. Uh, but yeah, six-man rotation, especially with, with Madden, is that a possibility? No question. For the Orioles, I just want to quickly mention, they got Jemai Jones back. He's a former top 100 prospect, uh, plays second base. His career is kind of stalled out in the Angels organization, so a change of scenery could be just what he needs. Baltimore is, you know, they were competitive at times last year, which was surprising to us, but they're probably not going to be competitive this year yet, but somebody to take a chance on. Speaking of a change of scenery trade, that's what we have with uh, Elvis Andrews and Chris Davis. Yeah. Uh, the Athletics uh, find a, in their own way of, of, of replacing Marcus Simeon at the shortstop position. I like it. I like it. So Andrews, he's got a big contract, and he was going to sit on the bench for the Rangers, which didn't make a whole lot of sense because they had already said they're going to move Isaiah Kiner-Falefa to starting at short. So it's a lot of money to leave $28.5 million for two years on your bench. So uh, Traded to the Rangers, which within the division, or sorry, from the Rangers to the A's within the division, and they lost Marcus Simeon, like you said. So Elvis Andrews is likely going to start every day at shortstop or be the primary shortstop. And uh, the Rangers get back Chris Davis, who for years was the most consistent DH in the game. You could bank on what was it, the 242 average or whatever it was for three straight years, but. His bat's slowing down. I, I have concerns about Chris Davis. Uh, I think he's now a platoon DH, and he's been really rough against righties the last couple seasons. Not even he touched the Mendoza line those last couple of years. So they have Willie Calhoun in, in Texas, who they've liked for a few years. They got him from the Braves a while ago, and he also didn't hit righties great last year, but I'm more willing to give Willie Calhoun the pass at 26 than I am to give 33-year-old Chris Davis a pass. And uh, Elvis Andrews, I think, dealt with some injuries last year. Uh, and just didn't back look problems. I'm pretty sure that was. Sorry, repeat that. I think it was back problems. Yeah, he uh, struggled through some things there, and uh, the the BABIP was way low below uh, uh, career uh, normal. Uh, his exit velocity was solid when it was there. So from injuries and some bad luck, I, I, I see a bounce back from him to at least being a especially 
you need your back if you want to be a good defender. Uh, and I think as long as he's healthy, that'll come back, which is what Oakland is hoping for, and then a bonus for whatever they get offensively from him. Uh, Chris Davis, it'd be nice to see him uh, get back to his consistency, but yeah, there's questions there that we'll wait and see what happens as the year moves on. Another guy, all these trades were change of scenery ones that make a lot of sense. Uh, Andrew Benatendi, uh, now a member of the Kansas City Royals, and again, I've been a fan of their offseason for the last couple of years now. Yeah, so Benatendi's under contract for a few more years for the Royals. The last two years have been rough, and it Really, I mean, if you look under the stats on him, and it really hasn't been unlucky. Last year, you can throw it out the window, sure. It was so few at plate appearances, but as I say, 26-year-old lefties who have already have a 2020 season and just missed another one don't grow on trees. So, like you said, he, he's a former like top prospect, right? And so you're going to put him, play him every day in Kansas City, and maybe a little bit of the pressure will be off, and we'll see him perform again like we've seen him perform in the past. Yeah, even with... Uh, uh 2019 not being the numbers that like 2017 was, he still produced a, a two-win season mm-hmm. uh, and uh, a solid bat, solid all the way around uh, player. Uh, fits very well with uh, the collection of uh, young veterans and older veterans that uh, Kansas City has been accumulating. And going back to Boston in that trade was Franchi Cordero, who is basically Hunter Renfro with worse health. The power is like undeniable, but, and it completely backed up by all the stack cast data you look at is, is incredible, but his her health is just horrific. Like he's missed time the last few years with an abductor strain, elbow injuries. Last year was a wrist injury. I think he's going to be expected to play sometimes in left or at least be the fourth outfielder for them, but you, you can't rely on him. His health is terrible. The Mets got involved in the deal too. Uh, I'm that not entirely sure what they got. They they gave up a low prospect to the Red Sox named Josh Winkowski, who's a pitcher, and they got a pretty good outfield prospect back from the Red or from the Royals, Khalil Lee, who stole 53 bases last year. So I, good for them. Like that's awesome. He's I think MLB.com has him rated as the number seven prospect in their system right now. Congratulations, Mets. There's there's your positive yeah, for the Mets this week. Yeah, they have plenty of negatives. <laughs> the very true. Uh, let's dive into the, the free agency. We're going to start with the bullpen. As always, by this time of year, uh, this was the last group that was remaining that was uh, uh, the transactions started flying in the last uh, two weeks. And uh, we'll start with uh, the Reds uh, adding a veteran to their uh, late game uh, options and Sean Doolittle. Yeah, so we just talked about Rosiel Iglesias got traded here in the offseason. So Amira Garrett was there in, in person that they could have turned to closing, but they signed Sean Doolittle, where another pitcher where health is always the question. His fastball velocity was way down last season. That being said, I think you'll factor into the closer equation at Cincinnati, but I would expect it to end up being some type of a committee with him and Amir Garrett sharing those options. He's coming into his, uh, now be the end of the end of the year, so I guess you'd still call this his age 34 season. Uh, but uh, health was an issue this, this past year. Uh, he did get to uh, 60 innings in 2019, so... Uh, with a lot of these types of relievers, you just give them the one year off and that shoulder and arm bounce back. So this could actually be a nice uh, low sign, uh, low uh, uh, low risk signing for the, the Cincinnati Reds uh, to add some veteran experience to that after losing their experienced closer. Definitely not at uh, Iglesias level, uh, but could surprise on, on a one-year deal. Let's do another one-year deal closing option. Joaquim Soraya, who I was shocked to learn is fourth among current players in saves, which is just awesome for him because you don't think of that. But one-year deal to go to the Diamondbacks. 
Uh, last year, the surface stats looked really good, but you look under the hood a little bit and it gets a little scary. The K rate dropped and the walk rate went way up and an unbelievable home run to fly ball rate last year kept that one from looking really ugly. If you look at the XFIP there, it, it's not good. So I think he's probably going to be the primary closer at Arizona, at least to start the year. But I have real concerns about Joaquin Soraya dropping off in a hurry. Seems like another Greg Holland uh, yep. uh, in recent yeah. uh, comparable there with the, the Diamondbacks. Uh, another guy who uh, just didn't get a market because people just don't believe in the uh, the underlying stats. That's Alex Colomay. So, okay. So Colomay gets signed like a little bit ago and everybody's like, oh, he's going to be the closer and he's going to be the closer and for Minnesota. And I, I don't know how he'll be the closer. If Alex Colomay, I said, I like Alex Colomay. I think he's an okay pitcher. But if they gave him the closing job, over Taylor Rogers, it is just unbelievably asinine to me. So, Taylor Rogers had a 400 BABIP last year with a 60% strand rate. Those are both extraordinarily unlucky. Alex Colomay had a 200 BABIP with a 90% strand rate. Those are both unbelievably lucky. So, while they might committee a bit to start it off with Colomay, basically, I think in the end, Colomay basically replaces Sergio Romo as yes. the seventh, eighth inning guy because I can't imagine that Taylor Rogers doesn't outpitch him. He he's going to be your, your setup reliever, uh, and then we'll get occasional saves when mm-hmm. Rogers is unavailable. I think that's the role that he comes in at, uh, and everyone's waiting for his underlying stats to then essentially implode the surface I, level. And each year, he seems like he's on that edge, and he hasn't gotten there yet. It's but partially it's a because, time bomb. It's partially because of the fact that he throws so many cutters. I get Correct. that that he outpitches some of the peripherals, but. I'll take Taylor Rogers' stuff over Alex Colomay's cutter any day. It's rare that uh, in this past year that uh, someone actually benefited uh, from the uh, this shortened season and uh, improved their stock. And the person who especially did that was Jake McGee. Mm-hmm. Uh, his health was uh, there. Uh, his fastball was back up, and he showed solid numbers. Yeah, so last year he rebuilt his career with the Dodgers, and now he's going to San Francisco where – he has a decent chance of being the closer. Now, Gabe Kapler's a manager, and he rotates closers like none other. He is basically a one-pitch pitcher now. He threw the fastball 97% of the time. Nine, I've never seen a number that high, but 97%. And it worked. 33 strikeouts to three walks over 20 innings. So, uh, continue, congratulations, Jake McGee. That's a good contract. You got two years, $7 million. I mean, Yes, it's only 20, only 20 innings, but... Uh uh, the XFIP was 2.10, uh, so that one pitch was working really, really well. Uh, the 14.61 strikeouts per nine, yeah. uh, the fastball was back, and that's that's the biggest thing. And uh, uh, sometimes it, it's hard for a guy. I mean, health is obviously a, a big question with him, uh, but sometimes you overthink it uh, versus sticking to what's really good. Uh, and we're seeing more relief pitchers leaning on one pitch, let alone two. Uh, if, if it's a really, really good pitch, Alex Colomay has stayed with that cutter, mm-hmm. and that usage has gone up into the mid-80% now uh, with it. So uh, they're starting to say, you know, if this is what works well, if I only need stick to get to three outs uh, to stick to it. So uh, we're seeing that trend. Uh, we'll, we'll monitor that in the upcoming year as well. Uh, Brandon Kinsler is another former uh, uh, closer uh, and late-inning relief pitcher uh, who also has found a new home. Yeah, he went to the Phillies, who had that historically bad bullpen last year, and Kinsler was really good last year. He closed games for the Marlins, but this is another one. This is a really scary skills, really scary skill set. His strikeout rate dropped way down, and his walk rate went way up, 
And uh, all you have to say is he had a 2.22 ERA, and his xFIP was just shy of five, and his FIP was five. So it's a lot of luck. Once again, stranding 90% of the base runners that you're against is does not happen often. So while I think Kinsler is going to be helped by be part of that Phillies bullpen, he is not going to be the closer in Philadelphia. They've signed enough players with Archie Bradley and Alvarado that he should be more middle relief, and that's a better fit for him because what you see last year is not what's going to happen again. When your K-9 rate starts to look like your walk per nine rate, that's never good when those start lining up. No. Uh, and uh, for him, uh, again, he is more of a ground ball specialist. So he's more of a you just pick and choose your moments with him. It's going to be matchup based. And if you actually, and the Rays have been very good at this uh, over the course of time here, uh, if you use him well within the matchup, uh, he can be an effective reliever, but if you just try to throw him out there versus anyone at any time, uh, chances are you're playing with fire. I would say this for the Phillies, though. Where they, we said they needed to improve their bullpen, and between Archie Bradley, Alvarado, and Brandon Kinsler, they have made moves to do they, so. They have upside. Yep. Uh, there's obvious, obvious risk there. Uh, there's no guarantees there outside of maybe Bradley, uh, but the upside is intriguing uh, to, to get started there. Uh, Ken Giles, former uh, Toronto Blue Jays closer and had... Uh, had his home in a few other places, has now uh, made his new home with the Seattle Mariners, and this year is still looking at a rehab year, but it's a two-year deal, correct? Right, two-year deal. So he, we mentioned, I mentioned him a couple weeks when we were doing our recap. He was pretty high up on my list, but you're not going to see him pitch this year. He had Tommy John in September, but you know, with that contract that he signed, you'd have to expect him to be the preemptive favorite to be the closer in Seattle next year, 2022, but you will not see Ken Giles yet this season. And the final one we have here is Padres' Mark Melanson. So Melanson had a nice year with the Braves last year, and I think he's going to slot into being the primary closer in San Diego with Pomeranz working that seventh inning high leverage role, kind of like we've seen Devin Williams do here in Milwaukee. Um, We saw last year, though, they were perfectly happy to rotate save opportunities in San Diego. Tingler did that. I don't love the Melanson K numbers again, but once again, the ground ball tilt is really nice. That's what you want if a closer limits the home runs. As good as the last few years look, though, uh, it's a little concerning. He's, he's definitely not as good of a pitcher as Pomeranz, but I do think he's going to get a lot more of the save opportunities. He'll uh, have uh, yeah, the opportunities will definitely be there. Uh, for the, the next moves, we decided to put them together as uh, just raise pitching. Uh, yep. They were very active this, this week with things lining up. First, it was with the uh, bringing back Chris Archer on a one-year $6.5 million deal. Uh, and then they signed a pair of, uh, the question is what their role is, uh, whether they're bulk guys, whether one's uh, fully in the bullpen. Uh, uh, the old man uh, vet, uh, Rich Hill, uh, the 41-year-old lefty, uh, and also the former uh, Houston Astros uh, starter slash bullpen uh, member, Colin McHugh. Let's start with Archer. So Archer is had thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, which is basically what ruined Matt Harvey's career and Tyson Ross, but Merrill Kelly is currently recovering. Archer lost effectiveness the last few years. Basically, ever since he's gotten to Pittsburgh, he's lost effectiveness anyways. I'll throw last season out the door with him, but I still wouldn't rely on Chris Archer. Like, I don't know how you can rely on Chris Archer at this point. So I went back, and, and as someone who watched him when he was good with the Rays, and uh, he, he, he reminded me of, he's what... Blake Snell uh, is with uh, as far as uh, nibbling versus trusting his stuff at times and getting into higher pitch counts. Uh, and so that can sometimes be frustrating to watch, but he was overall an, an effective pitcher. Uh, and 
there's a reason why, uh, though, again, yes, it was a bad trade, but there's a reason why Pittsburgh wanted him uh, with it. Now, again, this has been one of the, and will be one of the most uh, deadpan trades in MLB history and the, the salt in the wound of bringing him back. And if he performs well for the Rays, uh, I will laugh. But a couple things with it. Number one, Here's why, and this is not a, a, a Pittsburgh positive moment. The reason why Pittsburgh sucks is because they have this outdated pitching philosophy of doing square peg round hole. They want uh, all their pitchers to pitch low in the zone. Uh, they want to teach them that split finger uh, and versus letting people do well with their own stuff. So you try to change guys. Whenever they come in, you make sure no matter what they're coming in from the minors or whatever their skill set was at college or at high school, you are forcing them to learn this pitch and pitch down first. When you overregulate this bad, uh, it messes with most of pitchers. Again, look at how many elite pitchers have left Pittsburgh to go on and do far better mm-hmm. in their new surroundings. Garrett Cole, Tyler Glasnow, Charlie Morton, uh, the list is extensive. Now, will it happen to Jamison Talian? Uh, there's another one who's going to be coming up with this. But uh, if you look at Chris Archer's stats from 2019, uh, before he got hurt, uh, look at his numbers when he was trying to pitch with that dumb pitch that didn't fit his arsenal to when he finally scrapped it and just went back to his stuff. He uh, gained a full run uh, off of his XFIP. Uh, across the board, numbers went up immediately. When his usage went back to normal, his numbers went back more to normal. Then he gets hurt, and he doesn't have a chance to prove it. So if he is healthy, that's the key question there. If he is healthy, and we know how challenging that surgery is, uh, then uh, he's looked good in his uh, throwing sessions. The Rays were comfortable with the signing. But if he is healthy, I could see him still being a solid rotation member. The others, uh, Rich Hill. Uh, it's a matter of again. It's always healthy again, right? That's the whole thing with him. Is he's always pretty good when he's healthy, right? But it's he hasn't thrown over 130 innings like in two years, and he hasn't hardly thrown 60 innings. I don't think the last couple of years combined. So he's effective when he's out there. The, the question is, how much is he out there? Uh, I will the, say this about Rich Hill. Yeah, the, he gives up a lot of fly balls, and playing in the not with the dead ball might help that, but playing yep. in the AL East will not help that with. Uh, Yankee Stadium and Boston like I wouldn't be surprised I don't he hasn't had a four year A in five years I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't touch four this year do you think he get here's my question does he throw 75 innings yes to 75 uh, much more than that I, I'm not too confident yeah. uh, where this helps the the Rays is they just need uh, they're trying to accumulate uh, depth it's the Brewers destroy it's the Brewers approach from last year with all the hitters right throw it at the wall and see what sticks and they're doing it with pitchers and what they're trying to do is give their younger pitchers a little bit more time. Even if you only get half a year out of him, then someone like Shane McClanahan or Brent Honeywell or uh, uh, Luis Patino, like these are the guys that are going to be serving you well down the stretch anyways, but you need some of that depth to get started here. Uh, and it's going to be fun watching his curveball. And then you add that to Colin McHugh's uh, slider. Uh, slider. It is a slider. So McHugh opted out last year. He had the... Yep. He was worried about COVID, but he also was coming off of elbow surgery, I think, it was with the Astros. But Correct. after being a starter with the Astros, you, you don't know if it'll be like the opener, if it'll be the follower. But like you said, that Rich Hill and Colin McHugh thing could be, could be very effective. So once again, I would say like 70-ish innings of a mid-four ZRA if the elbow is healthy. He uh, improved 
uh, in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And so I don't see him as a, as a starter here. I don't think they're going to look at him that way. However, a multi-inning reliever yeah, like is what you're looking at. Yep. Yep. And, and the we've, we've seen the opener. We've seen the bulk guy. I think what's coming next, and the Rays won't be the only one to do that, uh, I think this is the time period of the, the piggyback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're going to see a couple of guys go back-to-back. That'll be your combined fifth is starter. It, is it John Curtis? That's the other guy they have, mm-hmm. right? That kind of does the same thing. John Curtis kind of did that. Didn't he like piggyback? Uh, they didn't. Uh, he wasn't used in the same way. He was uh, kind of the Chaz Rowe replacement. Uh, he's got a, a good sl- a slider, not as good as what Chaz Rowe's uh, uh, wiffle ball kind of looks like. Uh, but uh, in this one, I could even see Rich Hill and Colin McHugh being your piggyback number five starter right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go from the lefty with the curveball, then to the righty with the, the slider. Uh, across the board, all three guys, what do you also notice? It's the RPMs. Uh, the what they're putting on their pitches, they are all above spin average rate. spin rate. Thank you, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that is also trending in, in all three. How much that plays out, we'll see. But that's I will say the this: race. they always are innovating something. They're always trying something new down there, and it, it tends to work for them. They're they're always cooking up something. So I, I'm always curious to see what this year. This is going to be their biggest challenge yet. Uh, after trading Blake Snell, after uh, uh, letting go of uh, uh, of Charlie Morton, mm-hmm. uh, how do you put together this overall pitching staff? In a year, well, you're one year away from your younger arms being ready to take another step. You have a lot of guys that are out injured still for one more season with uh, what they lost mid-year, uh, like Brendan McKay uh, and uh, uh, Yanni Chirinos, uh, among other Jalen Beeks. Uh, so what do they do for this year? This is going to be their most creative yet. If, if you've been intrigued by the opener or anything else, I think there's still more that's coming this year. Let's move on to the star section, shall we? We have we got a lot of good names here. Five stars. Let's start with the big one. Our buddy Trev. So here's what I have. Find someone who loves you as much as Trevor Bauer loves free agency. Because <laughs> I don't remember what day it was, but we heard that everything was lean in Mets. He was posting stuff about the Mets. It was seemed like a foregone conclusion he was going to pick the Mets. And he was wanted to try to convince ESPN to do like the decision, like what we saw with LeBron so many years ago when he chose to go to South Beach. And uh, in the end, he found his own way, and he went to the Dodgers. Now, he was obviously a little lucky last season. 90% strand rate again, a 215 BABIP. But all-time high K per nine and all-time low walks per nine. He's a SoCal guy who strengthens the already best team in the game. Now, here's what I'd say about this. The only three that I'm confident in this rotation of pitching any innings are Trevor Bauer. He's going to pitch as many innings as he wants. He's not going to do his four-day thing that we he talked about. They're not going to let him do that. But he could get well over 200 innings. I'm not sure there's another guy gets over 150 innings on this team with Walker Bueller. They've never let Walker Bueller pitch that many innings. They're not going to do it now. Kershaw is going to get his rest time. We have no idea what David Price is doing. He's even talked about opting out again. Maybe he comes back. They still have Tony Gonsolin. They have Dustin May and they have Julio Urias. I don't see any of them getting 150 innings. Uh, it, do you see any of those guys getting 150 innings? Outside of Bauer, no, uh, because they're going to be careful with uh, Kershaw's back. Uh, and Bueller, they're still getting his his numbers up, and all the others are still uh, they're working on it. Essentially, the the Dodgers are the Rays with money. Yep. Uh, with uh, Andrew Friedman yep. uh, uh, being there, and the way they control their pitching staff, and they get pretty creative with things too. Uh, they can just afford the the big horses when they they need them. And again, I. I did laugh so hard. I'm sorry for any Padres fans out there. This isn't meant as a slight because uh, they've had a wonderful offseason and building things up. But in one fell swoop, the Dodgers say, yeah, we raise you Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Uh, and 
<laughs> there's no question who the number one team in the NL West is, despite all of the Padres' moves. And I love their moves. I do love what they're doing there. Uh, but no. the the Dodgers are a whole separate class unto themselves. Talk about Trevor Bauer's agent, Rachel Luba. Because this contract that, yes. re- that Trevor Bauer got is the most unbelievable player-friendly contract I've ever seen. So he got, I believe, three years and $105 million. But it is one year, $40 million, and he can opt out. Any, he, uh, any year he, he could opt, opt out, out of that. He could be done after this year and do exactly what he said he's going to do and do his one-year thing. Or he can go back for another year and get another $40 million and then opt out. And I'd be shocked if he ever makes it to three years on this. If he no. mows three years, I'd be unbelievably surprised. Because it's a, it's a pay decrease in yep. that third year. Yep. So, of course, he's going to nope. opt out of that one. The only way that this is – this is only there for long-term injury if all of a sudden performance goes down. Then he still has a nice three-year deal. Uh, but if he's performing well, yeah, he's going to out. He's going to change that to a, not a 305, but it'll be 280. Which is unbelievable. And said, congratulations so, to her. Yeah, fantastic contract. All of the control is with him. He can do his one-year thing. He can still have the uh, cracking uh, nine digits for uh, uh, for the contract here. Uh, and, yeah, it's all set up for him to control his, his future. This is the same as uh, having a no-trade clause mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, and with having the money right there uh, uh, with it. So fantastic contract, great job, and she's just earned bank herself. As far as other players be intrigued uh, by her, oh, yeah. uh, her stock has raised uh, in this process as well. Another Mets negative, though, here would be the fact that Bauer and Springer basically leveraged the Mets' negotiating rights to get themselves bigger contracts. Well, uh, again, the uh, there is a cost to restrained spending. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dodgers decided, you know, what's another $40 million? And they just threw it out there. Uh, the Mets never wanted to do that. They were still trying to be somewhat fiscally restrained. That doesn't work at the top end of the of the free at the free agent market. You always have to overpay. Always. That's just how that works. You never look at one of those deals and say, huh, that was a really good deal for a team. You're always worried about when is this deal going to go bad for a team. Mm-hmm. That's what it means to play up at that level. And the Mets never were that serious about doing that. They even made sure Francisco Lindor was in-house first before he becomes a free agent and didn't have to compete with other offers. So again, they've had a good offseason, but there's a reason why they didn't get the the big fish, and maybe that worked out better uh, uh, for them. We'll find out in the long run. Uh, yeah. Let's keep it in L.A. They have another massive signing here. So Justin Turner came back to L.A. two years, $34 million. I I don't remember who said this. I saw it online. I'd love to give you credit, but I don't remember. The Brewers talk always felt like when you take a girl to the dance that doesn't interest you to try to make someone else jealous. He was always destined to return to the Dodgers. I think we all thought that. And this is what I'd say. If he wasn't 36 years old, is there really a difference between him and DJ LeMahieu? It's just age. It's just age, right? Because he's and basically a bit of DJ a different, LeMahieu. A, a little bit of a different, uh, more power yeah, he's not gonna, more contact. He's not going to hit 330, but it, he could certainly hit 300, right? 290 yep. plus the last five years. Yep. So, I mean, if he doesn't, other than age, like you expect him to hit 290 with his 30 home runs, slide right back, or 20 at least and, home runs. And above average defense at the hot yeah. corner, which is hard so to So here's fight. my question. This team is currently at projected, I looked at Vegas. They're at projected for 100 and a half wins as the over-under. Is there anybody taking the under on 100 wins for this team? I don't see how you do. I don't know how they, you. I don't know how this team doesn't win 115 power, games. They have depth. Uh, if someone gets hurt, they can withstand it. Even even when Trevor Bauer gets hurt, this team can still win 100 games easily. Trevor Bauer doesn't pitch one inning for this team. They can still win 100. Uh, I've taken games. 100 games before they get Trevor. I said I wouldn't be surprised this team doesn't win like 110 plus. Like that's how good this team could be. It it be 
at that level, it's just hard to win at that level that consistently because the, mm-hmm. the record is what, 117? Something like it was the Mariners. I don't remember. Yeah. Like 117, 119, somewhere in there, which, yeah, like I said, I'm not sure they set that type of a record, but this is going to be an unbelievably good team. They have the talent to do so. Let's put it this way. Now it's a matter of uh, uh, some luck, some injury. Trevor Bauer's personality, right? Like, and and some of the, the different of uh, extracurricular things that can uh, become entertaining. Uh, but l- let's c- categorize a couple of things here. So we have the because there's three major stars who signed. Justin Turner is one of them. Uh, who were just never they never wanted to leave. Nope. Justin Turner, Nelson Cruz, Marcelo Zuna. Uh, so, they all tried to get enough of a a market going to make sure the team that they wanted to play for would at least give them a competitive offer. And it, uh, they got good offers, all of them. We, we just said that Justin Turner got two years, 34. I think I have to pull up Azuna's here. I think Azuna got four years, 80, wasn't it? Four years and uh, 65. Sorry, four years, 65. And then he got a $15 million option for the final year. That's how yeah, it gets to 80. 80. That's yep. how it gets to 80. So 464 guaranteed potential to turn into five and 80. I mean, he almost won the, he was finished sixth in the MVP to his own teammate right, last year, right? So Marcel Azuna. Going right back to play where he did with the Braves. Now he's going to not be able to play DH actually. So when I say he's going back to play for the Braves, he will not play DH for them at least uh, for twenty twenty one. He should slide back into left field. I would think pushing Inciarte to the bench or Christian Pache probably back to the minors. Um, there's there you know they talked about his concerning defense, but it, that offense is something else. He fit there. Uh, they needed him more than anyone else needed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, for them to take that that next step, uh, they added the the pitching depth, but they they couldn't lose anything on that offense. Uh, and the the one two punch of him and Freddie Freeman uh, is what kept and propelled that uh, Atlanta Braves offense. Nelson Cruz did not get his two year deal that he wanted, but when it became apparent that the NL was not going to get the DH, I think his his negotiating kind of. Not to say that he didn't have – there's plenty of teams that still would have wanted Nelson Cruz, I think, to be their DH, but he always felt like he was going back to Minnesota too. I don't think we've – we've mentioned Toronto, but we always thought he would go back to Minnesota. And one year's 13 – one year, $13 million contract to go back. Uh, it's an elite skill set. Like, you, I think you had him as your number one free agent over like Real Muto a few weeks ago, and he's consistently hits the bar as – hits the ball as hard as anyone. If you're going to p- pick a nit, he finally dropped from the top 1% in the league in exit velocity to the top 13%. But like, I wouldn't expect Nelson Cruz to not hit 30 plus home runs this year. Yeah, this was a, uh, when, when he's out recruiting for other Minnesota teams, mm-hmm. <laughs> not his own, but for other teams to recruit free agents in uh, when, when that's what he's doing, how does it even sound like he's going to leave unless unless uh, it's a, a night and day different offer where someone did offer the two the two year deal? That was the only way that he would if the if the twins only offered one year and someone else offered two, chances are he's taken the two year deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but any on a one year deal, there was no one that was going to uh, jump in unless the National League was available and someone wanted to offer big bucks to have a, a prime DH. So this was a match that was going to happen one way or another, uh, unless the stars just didn't align. I like the Twins offseason. It's kind of quiet. They've added Andrelton Simmons and J.A. Happ and a couple of those bullpen guys. Like, you know, this team that won the AL Central last year, and the Indians are obviously worse, and the White Sox are probably better. But I think that's now just a two-team race. And uh, better bullpen depth now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they obviously lost uh, Trevor May. Yep, that's uh, that, so that's that's a hard one, but they have replaced well uh, with who they've added. 
Uh, and, uh, again, they kept that, that offense intact. That was the key. One more guy we have classified here as a star, which maybe not because he's hurt all the time. It's but a homecoming. I think yeah. that's why we can talk about it this way. James Baxton went back to the Mariners one year, $8.5 with some incentives in there. Here's the deal with James Baxton. He's spent time on the injured list. I went back seven straight seasons. Last season, it was the strained flexor muscle in the forearm, which he only made five really rough starts with the Yankees. And if you remember, we talked about Paxton early on in the year because his usual 95-mile-an-hour fastball was about 92. And, you know, he's they're hoping that he recaptures some of the glory, but it, it all depends on that velocity. If he's throwing 92 come spring training in a couple weeks, I'll be of real concerns about James Paxton. If he's out throwing 95, then he's going to be fine. Now, the Mariners have already said they're a team that wants to use a six-man rotation, which will only help James Paxton. Correct. I, with him, it's, it's, it's health. That's always what it comes down to. Uh, the lefty that can still pump the, the fastball in the mid-90s. Uh, and hoping that he does well uh, going back home to, to the Mariners. That's a, a nice, nice match. What I'd like to do with the next, uh, we're, we're moving into the veterans category. What I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to give you four names mm. and just let you react to uh, uh, within them of the signings that were there. Uh, but before we get to that, we'll pause with the Brewer signing. Uh, we'll keep that one separate. <laughs> we should have made this the first one. Uh, and uh, so we have uh, Colton Wong uh, gets the two-year deal with uh, with the Brewers. The signing, react not only to the signing of him, but then how that uh, now configures the alignment for the, the, the Brewers uh, infield. Okay, so two years, $18 million. He's an astounding defender, back-to-back gold glove winner. Now, his offense is a little erratic, but we're two years removed from an 11 home run, 24 stolen base season. Excellent on base percentage. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't bat leadoff for them, actually. Now, this past season was a weird year. Who knows? So he showed almost no home run power. But I have it that he's very similar to Andrelton Simmons, and the contract really isn't all that different. Now, I said he'll play second base. It will push Keston here to first, or they have a massive weakness. And they've wanted Justin Turner, which didn't happen, so... Jed Jerko is still out there. He was their third baseman last year. Otherwise, you're looking at Luis Urias playing over there. Uh, great minor league history in Luis Urias. Hit well over 300, and it hasn't shown up so far in the big leagues. So it, 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 if it ends up happening that Luis Urias is the primary third baseman, I'll be fine with it. I'm actually okay with it. I know there's a lot of Brewers fans that won't be, but otherwise you'd hope to sign one more player yet to play third, and he becomes more of the super utility role. And now becomes more likely that someone like Jed Jerko re, uh, resigns on uh, and uh, adds to adds to the the infield depth uh, that is there. Um, I, I like the move. I like. Uh, I think uh, Colton Wong is a bit underrated for for what he does. I think uh, improving the infield defense is is a bonus. Uh, here's someone who can do the, the leadoff role and give you like a 350 on base percentage. Uh, I think his off, I think his bat is a little underrated. He's not a a big bat by any means, but I think he's an excellent complementary piece uh, for a team that needs more of that. Uh, now Keston Hira doesn't have to be focused as much on his defense. Uh, which was you, terrible. Which was terrible. It was a revolving door, yeah. uh, revolving glove essentially at second base. Now you ins- replace that with the gold glove and now you can have uh, Hira focus more on his offense and get that back up to what has been in his career. So overall, I like what this does for the alignment for the Brewers. It's a solid signing. I understand any Brewers fan who says, yeah, but I wish we would have done more. That's yeah. that's pretty much how the, I would summarize that off season in the same way, uh, but uh, I guess we could have talked about this too. Uh, uh, the rankings that have come out in the in the past week, we've now had uh, different uh, the computer generated what the yeah, records are going Pakoda. to be. And Pakoda, yeah, uh, Pakoda loves Milwaukee all of a sudden. Uh, and, and Milwaukee and loves them. Yeah, that's, go for it, Pakoda. Be right this time. They usually, I'm sure it's banking on you know 
I don't think Christian Yelich is a 210 hitter or whatever he hit last year. Omar Narvaez has multiple years of 270. He hit like 165. And it's 60 games, so I'm sure Pakoda's banking in regression to the mean, which in most yep. cases for their offense is better. And uh, the emergence of uh, some young pitchers. So uh, we'll definitely talk uh, Brewers when we get to uh, our preview uh, sections when we get in division by division and talk NL Central, but there's at least one major prognosticator that has the Brewers winning the division. <laughs> so uh, hold on to that hope there, Brewers fans. Uh, so here's the next uh, list of four names for you. Chase Anderson, Brad Miller, Dexter Fowler, and Estrubal Cabrera. Okay, Chase Anderson, I'll throw last year's unbelievably terrible year out the door because it was, I think his ERA was 16. Uh, he actually improved a lot of his stuff, dropped his walk rate, improved his K rate, at best, for the Phillies, he's a back end of the rotation arm. I think he'll actually slide into the long relief pitcher role and let Matt Moore be the fifth starter there. Brad Miller also signs with the Phillies. Uh, power potential as a backup player. I'm not going to call him a utility player because he has also an abysmal glove wherever he plays. He looks strong versus righties, but he's been below average versus lefties his whole career. Dexter Fowler goes back. Another guy who gets to reunite with Joe Mann. Joe Mann running it back with all these guys. He goes out to the Angels. Uh, that is a salary dump because the cards are paying the bulk of that contract still. Uh, he had another, he had a really rough season last year. Lots of K's in his career. He's 35 when the season starts, so I don't expect a whole lot out of him. But at, what it does is it pushes Joe Adele, who made his big league debut last year, and it was uninspiring to say the least. It will push Joe Adele. Joe Mann's already said he thinks he needs more minor seasoning. That all but guarantees you will not see Joe Adele unless he is ra- wrapping it up down at the farm for a while. And who was the last one? I forgot the fourth Estrubal, one. Estrubal, Estrubal Cabrera. Cabrera goes to the Diamondbacks for a one-year contract. So he's a switch hitter who's actually like consistently good and probably doesn't get the credit for how good he is. Uh, there is very little sign of decline in Estrubal Cabrera. I was looking at some of the backup numbers there. Solid contact, and it and it shows up with solid average. He can play throughout the infield. I think in Arizona they're going to put him at second, which will push Cattell Marte to center field. And if you remember, Dalton Varsho was getting up at the end of last season, which is like a catcher yeah. outfield prospect, yep. which is kind of a weird one, but he is likely to start the year in the minors too, I think. Estrubal Cabrera has made a full career on being that veteran utility player that... Uh, Consistently for, underrated. Correct. Like, I would agree with that. Uh, the bat has been uh, always solid, and the defense has been... Uh, Better than, I think, reputation, mm-hmm. uh, would say. Here's the next four for you. We have uh, Mike Fires, John Villar, uh, Jonathan Scope, and uh, I always call him Fulty. I never get <laughs> the full name, but Mike Fulty. Okay, Fires. He is back to the Angels' one-year deal. He needs a place like Oakland because he gives up a ton of fly balls, and he has one of the lowest strikeout rates in baseball, which means he is always on a razor's edge. So going to Oakland and deading the ball should yeah, only help say, him. Yep, yep. That will only help him. Villar... Uh, it is a skill. So VR's is kind of weird too, because we it said it was reported he signed with the Reds, which at that point he was going to be the primary shortstop. But then a few days later, it was nope, it's the Mets, where he will be a utility player. Now this is a skill set that's not going to age particularly well. Uh, he showed almost no power last year, and he's a horrid defender at times, like really bad. So here's what I'd say about VR: is while you can say he's a super utility, they, you're not going to play him at short because it's only going to hurt their unbelievable pitching staff. Uh, he's a, a, a when you're getting him speed and uh, speed. on the on the base paths. That's especially what you're looking at with him. His he's actually had a very healthy uh, walk percentage in the eight to nine percent, uh, which has been again, pretty solid overall. He's an almost non-existent ISO. Do you see his ISO over there? Yeah, that's that's uh, a <laughs> little league level. Yeah, was it scope? Scope next? Yep, scope. Still only twenty nine. 
consistent home run production with good defense most of the time. He went back to the Tigers. That that makes a lot of sense. I actually like what the Tigers are doing. They're going to mention them again a little bit here. But the Tigers have made some really under-the-radar moves, which really helps their team. And Fulton Evich, uh, once again, I'll, I'll throw out last year because it was so far beyond what we've ever seen with him. Uh, they've already added Dane Dunning and Kohei Arihara. So that's a team that's made some moves too. It's a back and a rotation arm who walks a few too many, which can lead – this thing is always – that leads to the blow-up starts because he walks a few too many guys, and when the ball crosses the fence, his ERA balloons. But I I don't expect it to be as bad as last year. The next four, we have Adam Duvall, D. Gordon, Albert Amara, and Jake Arietta. Okay. Duvall, love the signing. Way to go, Marlins. He will leave Atlanta, which is a little smaller for a little bigger park in Miami, but primary right fielder, bat in the middle of that lineup. All the rates look good. Strong barrel rate, a hard hit rate. but Le- Lefty crusher. Yeah, I, I love the signing for the Marlins. It's such a Marlins move. Uh, D. Gordon. So I actually think now D. Gordon might be one of the primary shortstops in Cincinnati. They have a Jose Garcia, who's a rookie, but uh, at worst, he's a worse version of Jonathan Villar. It's really what he is. He's never really offered anything offensively other than all the speed, and that's in real decline now that he's hitting his 30s, and defense has never really been his calling card, and he hasn't played shortstop since he was with the Dodgers like a decade ago. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, who else was, who was number three? Albert Amara. Albert Amora. So this one went to the Mets, and this is Jackie Bradley Jr. light. So we've heard them talk to Jackie Bradley Jr. to be center field. Amora is a plus defender who has very little to offer on offense. Last year he spent some time at the alternate site because he was so bad at offense. Now they've said they're going to platoon him with Brandon Nimmo, with Amora batting right-handed and Nimmo batting left-handed. But I looked at this. Brandon Nimmo is basically average for left-handers, and Albert Amora is considerably worse. So... I would rather use him as a late innings defensive. Yeah. Like, use him late innings for his defense, but platooning him with him would not help your offense at all. Is there anyone, because the last two signings, I leave to this question, are there any teams that have not fulfilled uh, a need or a role uh, who've done it worse than what the Reds did with shortstop and the Mets with center field? The red shortstop is the worst one, I think, because there was so many shortstop options out there. Like, we thought Didi would make a lot of sense for him, and he went back. And there's, I still think they could trade for Willie Adamas. I hope they do, because otherwise, like, who knows what they're – we've seen what they're trying to do, and I'm not entirely sure. Like, Sonny Gray's still there at this point. I don't think he's getting traded. Luis Castillo's still there. All these things have been talked about. The Reds have had one of the weirder offseasons. And the Mets center field thing – I actually don't mind Brandon Nimmo. I know that they've talked about upgrading it. Like, Jackie Bradley would be an upgrade, but I don't know why they have such a dislike for Brandon Nimmo. I I would agree with you there completely. Uh, Jake Arrieta is another one that has returned to uh, his former home. Jake Arrieta to the Cubs on a one-year $6 million deal. He said he turned down more money to return to Chicago to recapture some of the greatness. That's going to be a real challenge because he also has a massively low K rate, and he's basically a sinker ball guy now, which gets him all the ground balls, which is good, but... It's a really below average. That I looked it up. That ground ball sinker had a 402 batting average against last year. So while you can throw it a lot, it's getting hit hard. Yeah, that that's a uh, you can't expect anything more than what John Lester provided in his final years. Yep. I think that's at best uh, best case scenario for what you're getting in Chicago. Nothing to get hopes up on that one. Final three names we have: Ronaldo Nunez, Nomar Mazar. 
and Mar- uh, Marwan Gonzalez. Yep. So Renato Nunez and Nomar Mazara went. Another two guys went to the Tigers. Nunez is I think actually a minor league deal, but I think he's going to play. So his batting average is always going to sit around 250, but he makes enough hard contact going from Baltimore to Detroit. He should still hit 20 home runs if he gets enough playing time. I think he'll probably be the DH. I love Nomar Mazara. I'm a big Nomar Mazara fan. He had some weird sickness. They said it wasn't COVID, which made his last year look really bad. But before that, he had four seasons with the Rangers, which were all nearly identical with all the stats, and he's still only 25. So I think that fits us a good signing with what the Tigers are doing. I think the White Sox were just a little bit impatient, and also with the managerial change, he wanted his guys. And they have a great I think team, right? I think like, that's an upside there. Like they have a great team. They're they're not going to miss Nomar Mazzara because their team's right, good. But right. Detroit, I think it's a good signing for them too. And Marmon Gonzalez is last. Uh, this is one that the small sample size looks – his year looks really bad, but uh, I looked at it. All the underlying numbers look the same. The contact rate is almost identical. The exit velocity is identical. It was a low BABIP that really cost him numbers. He usually kills lefties, but last year he was really below average. Is a switch hitter who can play infield and outfield. It's almost like the kind bloom works for the Red Sox and likes his platoon players. You're seeing a lot of the, that uh, matchup-based uh, – uh, additions that are taking place there so uh take a breath uh we I have got uh, we've gotten through the the massive uh, transactions in the last couple of weeks here uh, and uh, in case uh, any of these get uh, forgotten or you're, like, we've gone through like, oh there's this uh we're going to compile them as part of our uh our division by division preview as well as uh we are at the point probably when we do the uh, the podcast on the uh, the miners, our, our top uh, minor league farm systems prospects, will add in uh, our our picks on uh, best off seasons. Now that we've finally gotten to that point, sure. uh, best signing, best overall uh, uh, team uh, off seasons. We'll talk about that in, in a couple of weeks here as we uh, uh, allow the off season to come to a close. We're right. uh, just about at that point again. Uh, pitchers and catchers report this week, uh, so enjoy uh, baseball coming back, and uh, we'll look forward to. Uh, uh, reporting on that in the coming weeks. So have a great week, and we'll uh, next week again. We'll talk uh, greatest of all time. We'll get into starting pitching.